How many here would say you're a, a math person? We have one, we have one, we have two, and th- th- just two people. Do we just have two? See, Matt, this is what's wrong with our country. We don't have enough, ma- we don't have enough math people. I'm a math person. I'm a, I'm a numbers person. Um, it, so much so, I mean, my staff knows this. Uh, my wife, Rachel, knows this. Uh, so if, there, if, this, if, if the leaders of staff that come to me say, hey, Brian, like, hey, we could do this. We could expand. Um, you know, Rachel comes. Hey, we could do this to the house, or we could, we could go on this vacation. We can do these different things. I don't even know that I'm for it. Uh, it I need to hear a number. I, I can't tell if I'm for it until I, I, I hear a number. In fact, I don't even know that I really understand what they're saying. I don't know if you're, this dates me or not, but like, it's like the, um, the, the teacher on Charlie Brown. You know, I just hear want, 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 2,000. Okay, I heard that. $2,000. I'm with you. I understand that. I bring that up to, because uh, today's a little bit about math. It's about multiplication. Uh, I want to talk to you about multiplication. I want to talk to you about the fact that God is a, is a multiplier. Um, Satan is a divider. Uh, God is a multiplier. When it comes to your resources, in fact, uh, Matt in his very, very long version of the announcements, uh, he mentioned that <laughs> at least three or four times. Um, so I, I was even wondering if I even needed to say it, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. Um, that God is a multiplier, that he, especially when it comes to what he has for, for you in this world, I believe that God has made every single one of you on purpose, for a purpose, uh, a purpose beyond your wildest imaginations. This life that we have in God is so much bigger. In fact, as we're sitting here and you're sitting here, you're just thinking about, okay, what do I have to do to get to God? What do I have to do to get to God? I want to encounter him. I want to experience him. My brothers and sisters, the, what he has done to come to seek you out, what he did leaving heaven to come to earth, the Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. You're not knocking on his door. He's knocking on your door. He wants to invite you. He wants to open up a world to you. And one of the, this, this big world that he wants to open up to you, he wants you to know that he is a multiplier. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, this is not our text for today, but he says, he who supplied seed to the sower and bread for the food... Uh, for food will supply, and what's that word say? Multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm guessing that you wouldn't mind God multiplying what you have to increase your joy and to benefit other people. Um, Most of what the Bible talks about when it speaks about Money and giving. I know you guys just went through a really long series about uh, God and, and wealth and possessions. Most of what the Bible has to say about what we give has to do with the benefit to you. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than anyone else, but he never asked for money once. Well, there was that one time we asked for a coin to do a sermon illustration, <laughs> but presumably he gave that back. We don't really know for sure. So if, if, you're, if you want to be picky, okay, maybe he, he asked for it once. Uh, but even in, the, even in the Old Testament, most of what they gave, they burned. Like it didn't go to, um, you know, help Chicago youth. It didn't go to these things. 
So, you know, imagine showing up at the members. Hey, what, what, show me the annual report. What happened to the money? Well, we burned it. And because um, it had more to do with the benefit to you as someone who's letting go and, 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 and not the one who's receiving. But there is a benefit. There is a benefit. There is a great, great benefit. And here's, here's my tagline for today. What we keep is all we have, but what we give God multiplies. And I'm going I'm, I'm to speak about talent, treasure in our time. And uh, my passage is in Luke 9. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm in reading out of the English Standard Version. If you don't have a Bible, it's in the Sky Bible. And we'll read this to, I'll read this, and you can follow along with me. In Luke 9, it says, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve, that is, he had twelve disciples, he came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go in the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to him, this is Jesus, you give them something to eat. The emphasis there, by the way, is on you. You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go to buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. I'll just understand a little bit about the Bible. If you've not heard this before, when the Bible says 5,000 men, um, they counted in families, and so there was easily 20,000, maybe 30,000 people that we're talking about here. So don't just see 5,000, see 20, 30,000. And, and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and he had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up into heaven, and he said a blessing over them. Then he broke. He he said a blessing, and then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd, and then they all ate and were satisfied with just five loaves and two fish. All eight were unsatisfied, and what was left over when uh, left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Now, when you first read this, and if you're, you know, Sunday school person or whatever, I mean, this just feels like, you know, Jesus at a picnic. Right. I mean, there's a cool breeze. He's on the side of a hill. The grass is green. I mean, you can almost see the red and white checkered blanket and the woven little basket. And and that's what we think. It's like, oh, what a what an amazing little sweet time with Jesus. And he feeds the multitudes. And, and what a what a nice little story. But that's not what's going on behind the scenes. Um, Jesus had an agenda and he had three years to do it. He was going to turn over to his 12 disciples this worldwide mission to go into all the world and uh, to preach the gospel that every tribe and tongue, that God was looking for a family from every tribe and tongue. And here we are in Chicago in 2022, and there are more than a billion people all over the face of this blue and green planet we call Earth that worship the name of Jesus. He had three years to get these guys ready. He was starting a revolution. And what he was doing here was not picnic with Jesus. He was training his revolutionaries. Not with weapons training, but with bread distribution training. He was teaching him something. There's something about this story we need to understand. One, we need to understand the big picture of what Jesus is up to. And we'll zoom in here on some of the details to make it personal. Uh, but make no mistake, Jesus was up to something, to prepare them to take the gospel to the whole world. What is bread? Bread in our culture isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's carbohydrates. I mean, you know, who wants that? 
And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I skipped bread this morning. You probably skipped bread. I don't know. But it, in this culture, uh, food was, options were not plentiful. So bread really meant life. It, it was life. And in fact, on one or more occasion, Jesus addressed bread as life. Uh, he said in Matthew 4 that, that man cannot live by, by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, referring to himself as being the bread of of life. In fact, in John 6, um, this story, by the way, the feeding of the 5,000, is in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're called the Synoptic Gospels because they're similar, uh, but they're, they all tell it a bit differently. We're reading the occasion uh, recorded by Dr. Luke, but there's another one, John's Gospel. In John 6, we get a much fuller a picture of the story. In the first half, he feeds the 5,000. In the second half, I mean, Jesus gets into what really revealing who he was. And he says things like, you know, unless you, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, you have no part of me. I mean, some crazy stuff. They all leave him. Uh, but what he said to, in that passage, he says, I am the bread of life. And then he said to them, hey, you're, you're all here because I just fed you a bunch of food. And what, what, what uh, came to their memory was when, when God miraculously fed their forefathers in the desert. Manna fell from the sky miraculously. And they're like putting two and two together and say, hey, this guy can do stuff for us. Let's make him king. And so he says to them, hey, you, your forefathers, they ate that bread and they died. The, the bread I give you will lead to eternal life. He's saying there's a hunger that bread is not going, um, that normal bread will not fill. It goes deeper than physical hung, hunger. It's a hunger if not addressed by me, you will starve eternally. The atheist writer John Paul Sartre wrote this, that God doesn't exist, I cannot deny, that my whole being cries out for God, I cannot forget. He says, I don't believe in God, but I'm hungry for God. I, I don't believe in God, but there's hunger uh, for God, I'm hungry for only what God can give. And Jesus is saying the hunger that Sartre says there is no cure for. I am the cure. I am the bread of life. So, so with that in mind, how does this bread of life get to the entire world? And this is what Jesus is teaching them. This is how it works. And, and here's the point. He says this bread, here's what he's going to say. This bread gets distributed through unqualified people with inadequate resources. This is going to happen through unqualified people with inadequate resources enter the church of Jesus Christ, you and me, Trinity. That's how it happens. You think, well, I don't feel very qualified to take the gospel to the whole world. You're in. I don't know that we have enough resources to do this big global mission, much less Chicago, much less Rogers Park, or wherever we're at right now. Where are we at? Edgewater. Edgewater. <laughs> it, would have been a, it would have been a lot smoother and more tweetable if, if I had gotten that right. But, <laughs> but this is how it happens. And I think you need to imagine the story because they are already exhausted. They, they go into this scene exhausted the disciples. And I don't know where you're at today in your life and you think about your jobs and everything going on and you're like, man, I'm already tired. I haven't even gone, started work this week and I'm already tired. 
I just feel exhausted, and, and this just sounds crazy. Feeding 5,000, feeding 20, 30,000 people. This seems crazy. They're already tired. And um, Jesus, he, he goes out again. He starts preaching. You know, 11 o'clock goes by, 12 o'clock goes by, 1 o'clock goes by, 2 o'clock goes by. I mean, it's fall, so they already missed the first game. 3 o'clock goes by, 4 o'clock goes by, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And the disciples are like, what? I mean, this, like worse than Matt. I mean, just like kept going and going and going. And the disciples are like, man, this is, uh, you know, you know, Peter, someone's like, man, if I haven't eaten, like, if I don't get something to eat, I, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to starve. We need to get something to eat. But he just, he won't stop. He just keeps going and going and going. And uh, man, the people, they must be hungry too. And, and someone must have said, hey, that's it. And Peter's like, well, you, what do you mean? What's it? Well, the people. He, he seems to really care for the people. He doesn't care so much for us, but he seems to care for the people. Let's tell Jesus, for the people's sake, we need to, you know, wrap it up. And so they go to Jesus and, you know, they kind of, hey, Jesus, shh, come here. Um, you know, we were thinking. We love what's going on here. I mean, this series that you're doing all in one day is amazing. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the people, they're, they're hungry, so, you know, let's, you know, wrap it up. And uh, he goes, oh, you're concerned about the people? Yeah, it's the people. You know, this is, you know, I, again, we could go all night, but, you know, the people. He's like, okay, well, you give them something to eat. And he's like, what? So he goes back. He goes back to the little committees, and he has his head down, and, and they're like, well, did you, did you tell him? Yeah, I told him. I told him exactly uh, what we talked about. Well, what did he say? He, he said, for us to give them something to eat. And they're like, for us to give them something to eat? Like, there's 25,000 people here, and we don't have anything. I mean, the, 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 the amount of resource it would take and how long it would take, even if it's possible, there's no way this could happen. And, and as they were saying that, there's this little boy that walks right by them with a Long John Silver sack, the two-piece <laughs> meal with extra rolls. And they take it from him, and there's two, there's two fish, five rolls, and, and, and they're like, is this all we have? And the guy's like, oh, that's what we tell him. We tell him this is all that we have. And he'll obviously see all that we have is two fish and five loaves, and he'll send everyone home, and case closed, we're done. So they go to Jesus. They, they, they should say, hey, look, hey, Jesus, you know, like, man, we, we did exactly what you said to do. Um, we went and we, we tried to find as much as we possibly could uh, but, you know, all we could find was, you know, two fish and, and five loaves. And Jesus is like, that's all you could get. Two fish and five, that's all of it, right? He said, yeah. He said, okay, get in group, have them get in groups of 50. See, Jesus is the math person too. See, have them get in groups of 50. And, um, and they're just like, what are you talking about? And so he, they get him in groups of 50. He takes stuff, the, they give Jesus the food. He blesses it. And then he breaks it. And they hand it out, and then they just start to hand it out. I mean, probably like, hey, you know, don't take too much. Like, just take a little bit here. And as they begin to hand it out, what they discover is that they were able to feed the entire multitude, and there were 12 baskets left over. Um, each disciple, they get a doggy bag, I guess. I don't know. But... And the, the amazing thing in this, in, this, in this that we can't miss is that this food did not multiply in Jesus' hands. 
it multiplied in the disciples' hands as they began to hand it out. You see, you and I might even buy into this story. I'm like, yeah, God can do whatever he wants. We're believing God for millions of dollars to uh, reach you know, the greater Chicago land. And when God puts a million dollars in our bank or millions of dollars in our bank account, then we'll do it. That is not how it multiplied. It did not multiply when Jesus prayed over it and handed it back. It multiplied as the disciples gave it away. And this is what Jesus is up to. Jesus wants to communicate that I, what I am asking you to do is impossible and the work I've asked you to do requires a miracle. This is, this is when his power kicks in. His power kicks in when we know it, you know, our friend is never, ever going to believe. My neighbor is never going to believe in Jesus. But you share it anyway. And that's when his power kicks in. When, you, when someone is sick and you just know there's no way they're going to be healed, but you pray anyway, that's when his power kicks in. When there's a multitude to feed and you don't have enough to feed, but you give it anyway. That's when his power kicks in. A, common, uh, a commentary, uh, commenter, uh, a commentator, it's, it's contagious. There's something about this area. I don't, can we work on this? Um, had this to say. He said, it's not as God's intention that we should be in ourselves adequate to our task. Rather, he wants that we should be inadequate. I know there's no math people, but is there any inadequate people? Possibly, maybe a few. Okay. If we only accepted the tasks that we think are adapted to our powers, we are not responding to the call of God. Let me say that one more time. If we, are only, accept, if we only accept a task that we think that are adapted to our powers, we are not responding to the call of God. The church is always in crisis and always will be. Difficulties, problems, lack of money... And people, a menacing outlook, endless misunderstandings and misrepresentations. Just a little encouragement. We are not only supposed to go forward despite these things, they are precisely the condition requisite for doing of them. All the problems, all the difficulties, all the lack, all, you know, not enough people, not enough money, you know, not enough facilities, not enough gifting. And not only that, everyone misunder there's so many misunderstandings, there's conflict, there's relational tension. It's not only that you and I are supposed to take this gospel to the ends of the world in spite of that. Those are the conditions requisite for the doing them. Only the inadequate are adequate. And it's when we go out in faith, knowing that it's impossible for this to happen, that's when his power kicks in. Well, how is this impossible made possible? Well, Luke uh, 9, the, the chapter we're in, verse 16, points us in the right direction. It says, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, it literally says in the Greek, he blessed and broke. Those two verbs, blessed and broke, blessed and broke. Fast forward to Mark 1422 when Jesus gathered his disciples together and he was having this last Passover meal with him. The two verbs show up again as he is having this meal. It says he blessed and he broke on the cross the next night. On the cross, he, 
He looked at the crowd. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He blessed them, and then he died. He broke. He blessed, and then he broke. When you realize, when you finally realize that by grace, not your performance, not your pursuit of God, but his pursuit of you, that by his grace, that on the cross, he blessed and he broke for you. When, you. when you see that dynamic, that is the thing, first of all, that fills that eternal hunger that we all have. And we see Jesus as our substitute by his grace. That is what uh, illuminates this new reality. And, and he is not just our substitute, but he's our example, which means that we take that dy- dynamic, we seek to take that dynamic to the very center of our life. God blessing and breaking on our behalf. Because that's not the culture we live in. The culture we live in is me first power. You break for me. Jesus lived, I break for you. Let me, let me show you an example. Okay. Thank you, Simon, for handing this bread. They risked their lives going across Sheridan to go to Whole Foods. Did I get you? Broadway. Broadway. Uh, I'm a slow learner. So if you take this, this bread, if, if this bread stays whole, I can't eat it. If this bread stays whole, I go to pieces. In order for me to stay whole, this bread has to go to pieces. In other words, it's me or the bread, right? And Jesus says what he's saying. He says, I am the bread of life. My life broken for you. If, if, if he were to stay whole, and he had every right to, if he were to stay whole, you and I would be still in our sin. But he came to this earth and he bled and died. He blessed and he broke for you and I. He was broken so that you could be made whole. And when we live this way, not we receive this by faith, we receive this by faith, and we live this way, blessing others, breaking for others, that is when the miracle kicks in is when we understand this dynamic and we begin to live this way with our life, with our time. I'm allow my time to be broken. I'm allow my calendar to be broken. I'm allow my bank account to be broken so that other people can be blessed. This is how the bread of life gets to Chicago. This is how the bread of life gets to the whole world. And I just want to say, like, man, for, for how many ever years that this church has been existing, you guys have not only sought to bless the local needs with each other and the round, um, but you're a part of our family of churches confluence. You got your, the leaders here have committed to, to giving 10% um, in high times and low times and everything in between to see churches planted and strengthened all over the United States and Canada, Mexico, and really the world. And there's so many people who thank God because in part of you, because of what you have done and what you've decided to do and how you have lived. There are churches like in San Francisco and uh, Kansas City uh, that have been planted recently because of you in part. Uh, globally, in, in Nepal, some of you have met this guy, Madan. I think we have a picture of him. Uh, he's planted more than uh, 40 churches in the lowlands in uh, Nepal. Um, and in Turkey, this guy, Ali, um, he's, actually a lot, he's actually taller than me. But he did this to make me feel better. But I think it makes me look worse that he did that. Don't you think? 
he's a really funny guy. He's a young guy. He's probably about 25, and he's like, he's leading, I don't know, eight different churches in, in a place where there's hardly any expression of Christianity in Turkey. And, and because of your generosity, because of you guys have lived this way, uh, churches in Burma, India, Oman, and the Arabian Peninsula, Dan, Daniel and Natalie, um, I don't know why he's, I, I don't know if he's like checking fantasy football or what, but they're like, he, he decided to give me that, that picture, but they actually did a, did a, a gap year program with us several years ago, him and his wife, Natalie, and they fell in love with each other and they fell in love with the Arabian Peninsula and they're out there doing it. And, and that's a lot because of you guys. And I could go on and on and on, uh, how we helped our Ukrainian brothers and sisters relocate and plant churches, Armenian brothers and sisters during their conflict in Kenya because of the war, and I could just go on and on and on. But this is what happens when you and I live lives broken. We allow our lives to be broken so others can be made whole. But I want to end this time. I want to, I'm going to focus in on uh, this little boy, and then we'll, we'll close. So I'm bringing this to a close. Um, so this little boy who gave up, he's the one who had, I mean, we, the disciples are the one who distributed, but the little boy is the one who gave up um, his food. And the, the, the loaves we know were barley loaves, which was the bread of the poor. So this wasn't some rich kid that can just run home and get some more food. And we, we, we call it a lunch, but in reality, it might have been food for uh, a couple of days or a week or more. Who knows how, much, how long he was supposed to ration this food out. This is some poor kid who gives up all that he had to feed this multitude. Come on, Jesus, why don't you, why don't you find some rich guy and, and, and get money from him? Why, why this poor little boy? Why this little boy? Well, this little boy is you and me. What do you think is going through this little boy's mind? Fear, maybe? Like, what am I going to eat? Maybe he's a numbers guy like me, a little rational. This <laughs> five loaves and two fish are not going to feed 30,000 people. But you know who it is going to feed? Me. You know, I would love to help the multitudes. But what this little, these few little hours a week that I have, these, these, this little, I'm, I'm not that gifted. I, I don't really have that much resource. It's not really going to make a difference to the multitude, but it will make a difference to me. So I'll keep it. And that's where the story could have ended. But this boy, don't miss how powerful and what an amazing thing this little boy did. What do you have? Well, I just, you know, a couple fish, five loaves. That'll be enough. What'll be enough? All that you have will be enough. The key to experiencing the multiplication of God is not to just siphon off a little bit of who you are, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, Actually, people who kind of go half in with God are the most miserable people on the planet, in my estimation. Because you have too much of God to be, to be happy in the world. 
but you got, you got too much of the world to really be happy in God. And so you, you portion out what you think you can do. When reality is God's not asking you for a portion of you. He's asking for all of you. Because he gave all of himself to you. That's the deal. The deal. Whoever would follow me, let him come and die. We follow Jesus. He gives us all of him. And we give him all of ourselves. That's a really great deal, by the way. Because what we keep is all we have. But what we give to him, he multiplies. He'll multiply your finances. He'll multiply your time. He'll multiply your talent. He will multiply your life. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. Well, you've got a seed. Congratulations, you've got a seed. But if you allow that seed to fall into the ground and the sun, you, in faith, allow the sun and rain to do what you can't do. I'm not into biology. I'm a math person. I don't know. Some, some biological thing happens. And it grows 30, 60, 100-fold. What you keep is all you have, but what you allow to fall into the ground God will multiply. For God so loved the world. He's after the world. And he wants to use inadequate people with inadequate resources. And I just want you to consider. I want you to consider. This is a big thing. This is not. Is that because sometimes if you follow God long enough, he'll, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. You'll have these all-in moments. It may be a job. It may be a career. It may be giving, turn your back on something to follow him. It may be your time. It may be, it may be saving. It may be your bank account. It may be something. I don't know what it is for you. But I do know I've followed Jesus long enough. And I've followed um, with some amazing people who've, done, who've all experienced the same thing. Sometimes he will ask you for the very lunch you're getting ready to eat, and you'll have to ask, what will I eat? Sometimes he'll ask you for uh, 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 something else, and, and you'll think, well, what, what about my kid's education? What about the vacation? What about the girl? You'll, you'll ask all those questions, and you'll be forced to think, well, what I keep is all I have, but what I give, God will multiply. If, am I willing to die to myself? Am I willing to let this seed fall into ground like, to do what only God can do? And I've seen him do it so many times. I just want to invite you, I, I, I love this church, I just want to invite you guys to dream. Like, man, if, if, a, if a boy and a 12 disciples could feed 30,000 people, what could the men and women in this room do with what they have? We don't have, we're, you know, we're, not, we're just kind of, you know, I don't even know if I'm in on Jesus. I don't know if the boy was either. But if you give your life to him, he'll do, he'll open up He'll open up doors to you. He'll open up worlds to you that you think never, ever existed. And I believe that he'll use you inadequate people with your inadequate resources to bless the city and to bless this world through you. He's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to do a miracle through you. He does the heavy lifting, but he's looking for conduits. Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 says that, 
For the eyes of the Lord are, looking, are going to and fro all throughout the earth, looking for hearts, not partially devoted, but fully devoted to him so he can strengthen them and feed the multitudes that he wants. I want to pray for you, and I know we're going to receive communion together. And Jesus, we, we look at you, we look at your life, and we see how you blessed and you broke for us. And God, we, we want to believe this. <laughs> but God, uh, we, are just, we just admit our own fear. We admit our fear. We have fear. I'm, I'm afraid, Lord. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to live this way. God, will you, will you give us the gift of faith to believe you and trust you? And God, would you, would we believe you when you, when you said it is more blessed to give than to receive? Lord, there's something about money and time and just our lives in general that makes us want to hold on to it. But you said if we seek our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our life for your sake, we'll gain it. What we keep is all we have, but what we give, you'll multiply. God, I pray you'd fill us with faith. Lord, I pray you encourage us and strengthen us. Lord, as we look at the big mission you called us to, that we would not have small thoughts about that. We have big thoughts about what you can do. Not what we can do, but what you can do through us. May we be those that give up our loaves and our fishes so that you could feed multitudes. When you like and subscribe, this video reaches more people.